0: Xavier Reese reminds us that trusting in the Lord goes far beyond our limited intellectual comprehension. God is not
1: a man that he should lie nor the Son of Man should repent. Has He not said it? Will He not do it? Numbers twenty-two nineteen. 19. He will do it. Now you and I don't know how He'll do it. We don't even know when He'll do it. But if He said it, we know He will do it. So don't let the limitations of your BB brain keep you from trusting God. You can't figure Him out.
0: Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Most seminars and books on leadership talk about power and victory. However, God's leadership program is all about surrender. And so today, Pastor Xavier continues a character study of one of the most influential leaders in all of history, a leader who learned the simple truths of successful leadership. Let's listen.
1: We want to begin by looking at Moses, the called deliverer, which reveals to us four things. First, the conceiving of Moses in Egypt. Secondly, the raising up of Moses in Egypt. Thirdly, the training up of Moses by God away from Egypt. And then fourth and last, the sending of Moses back into Egypt. Now, this aspect of Moses' life, Moses the call-deliver, occupies the time from his birth to the exodus from Egypt. So we're going to go from Exodus chapter 1 to Exodus chapter 13. This is the period, okay? So first of all, we see the conceiving of Moses in Egypt, chapter 1. Notice first. The birth of Moses occurred during the time of severe oppression in Egypt. Chapter 1 tells us that. In verses 6 and 7, it tells us the sons of Jacob under the care of Joseph had grown and multiplied abundantly, and they filled the land. And was now a threat to the king who knew not Joseph. There's the key. Fearing they would fall in with the enemy if there was ever an uprising or a war, so they placed them under bondage to build the cities of Pharaoh and oppressed them severely. When you go to verse 12 on down to 14, it tells us the more they were afflicted, the more they grew. In verses 15 through 17, the king spoke to the Hebrew midwives and told them that when they came to do service to bring the child forth, that they were to kill all the male babies and then the females they could keep. As you go from verse 18 to 21, the king petitioned the midwives, and the midwives told the king that The Hebrews were not like the Egyptian women. When they got there, they were gone already, back to work. So God blessed them because they did not kill the Hebrew children. And so the king went to plan B. In verse 22, he made a decree to cast all the male children into the river. Notice, secondly, when you get to chapter 2, verse 1 through 10, the birth parents of Moses were godly people. Their names are not given to us here, but if you mark down Numbers 26, 59, it tells us that his father's name was Amram, and his mother's name was Jacobed. Now notice in verse 2 down to 3 that they hid their baby for three months due to the decree to cast the male babies into the river, and that's the Nile River. Uh, When they could no longer hide him, they made an ark, dabbed it with pitch, and placed it in the reeds of the riverbank. It's interesting, this word pitch to cover is the same word pitch that Noah used to cover the ark, (laughs) or water not to get in. Notice in verse 4 through 9, the daughters of Pharaoh came out to bathe in the river, and Miriam stood afar off to see uh, what response she would uh, have towards the baby, and she had compassion. So Miriam volunteered to find a Hebrew nurse for the child, and then she agreed and said, I'll pay wages to her. How interesting. You know, here you see divine providence, so incredible, because Moses' own mother got paid for raising the child. (laughs) How interesting. When you look at verse 10 of chapter 2, the mother of Moses winged the child and brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son, giving him the name of Moses, for he was drawn out of the water. Drawn out, that's what Moses means. Now notice, secondly, we have the raising up of Moses in Egypt. Beginning chapter 2, first of all, verse 11 to 12, the man Moses one day went out to see his brethren. You're familiar with the story, the Hebrews Uh, and and seeing their burdens and an Egyptian beating one of the brethren he killed the Egyptian and buried him in the sand the following day verse 13-14 through he went out and he saw two Hebrews fighting and he asked them why the one was striking his companion only to be responded to in sarcasm and in an accusation who made you a prince and a judge over us do you intend to kill me as you killed the Egyptian uh oh So Moses feared and said, surely this thing is known. And then verse 15 tells us that Pharaoh sought to kill Moses when he found out that Moses fled, the presence of Pharaoh, to the land of Midian. Moses spent 40 years in Egypt being raised up to be somebody, and it all fell apart. Thirdly, we have the training of Moses. The training of Moses by God away from Egypt. Now we get this from Exodus chapter 2, verse 16, down to chapter 4, verse 31. The training of Moses was to be in the humbleness of the desert, the desert of Midian, not the comfort of royalty in the city. What a contrast. In verses 16 through 20, Moses began by training by delivering God's gift to man, woman. The seven daughters of Jethro were being harassed by some lazy shepherds trying to steal their water. And so he came to their rescue. And Jethro, their father, welcomed him, verses 16 through 20. Moses would lead sheep for divine training now. He had no idea what God had in store. Just like you have no idea if you've just come to the Lord, what God has been in store for you. Just like I had no idea when I first was saved, I had no idea what God was going to do. All I knew is I was saved and I had a new life and, but no idea besides that. We're in Corinthians right now, and in chapter two it says, "I has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love Him." If God would have shown me the ministry that He has graciously place before me when I was first born again, I don't know if I would have laughed or I would have run the other way, but I couldn't even have imagined, just like you can't imagine what God has for you five years from now, one year from now, 10 years from now, if he should tarry, but we know whatever it is, it's good, (laughs) it's real good. Notice in verse 21 and 22, Moses then moved on to train in the home where one is to prove himself for ministry as he married Zipporah, the daughter of Jethro, and had two children. Gershom was his first, and his name means stranger or sojourner due to the fact that he was in a foreign land. Uh, He had a second son. He's not mentioned here. He's mentioned in Exodus 18.4. His name is Eliezer. He was the second, and his name means my God is helped due to the fact that God had delivered him from the sword of Pharaoh. Stephen once again helps us in Acts 7 through 29. He says, Then at this saying, Moses fled and became a dweller in a land of Midian where he had two sons. And so here is Moses, a prince. He was training to be somebody. Now he was nobody. But he didn't know it yet. That was the problem. See, we are really nobody, but nobody's going to admit that in the world because the whole world wants you to be somebody, right? The training of Moses was regarding God's holiness, not man's corruptness. Chapter 3, verse 1 through 6. In verse 1, the occasion was, as Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the the priest of Midian, that he came to the mountain of God, the backside of the desert there. And in verse 2, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire, fire from the midst of a bush but it was not consumed that intrigued him so in verse three through five the man moses turning to see the great sight, was told by god to take his shoes off for the place where he stood was holy ground and so in verse six the lord identifies himself as the god of abraham isaac jacob the god of his fathers and moses hid his face fearing to look upon god now we are told that god dwells in a light that is unapproachable and that no man can see If he does, he doesn't live. 1 Timothy 6, 16. We are able to look upon God and approach him only on the basis of his son. No other basis. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16 tells us we have access to the throne of grace. We are made holy in Christ, for without holiness no man shall see God. Hebrews 12, 14 says. I'm not holy. I am seen holy through Jesus Christ. And I have the power to live in a sanctified holiness. It's the same root word. But it doesn't mean perfection. So the father looks upon me. He looks at me as he sees a son. Thank God. Or I would never survive. Now notice thirdly. The training of Moses was regarding God's faithfulness, not man's injustices. Chapter 2, verse 23 through 26. Faithfulness to what? As opposed to man's injustices? to his covenant, to the fathers. He mentions the covenant. God had, had his perfect time, verse 23 says. The iniquity of the Amorites was not yet come. Remember he told Abraham in Genesis 15, 16? He could not give him the land till 400 years later because the iniquity of the Amorites was not yet come. So in other words, God told the Amorites way before Israel was there that he's going to judge them. And he gave them so many amount of years, kind of like Noah's message, huh? And once people don't repent, the line is drawn, judgment comes. The line came, judgment came. How? By bringing the people out of Egypt, giving them the land, asking them to wipe out the people. Whoa. Heavy judgment. But secondly, notice chapter 3 now, verse 7 and 8. The promise he made to Abraham. He told Abraham that he would put him there for 400 years. You can go back to Genesis 15, 13. The promise is there. But then also, God told Abraham he would judge the nation that would afflict them, and they would come out with great possessions. And you get that in verse 8 there, chapter 3. And you can also cross-reference that with Genesis fifteen fourteen, where he told him he would bring them out with great substance. 400 years before! How does God know that? He knows the end from the beginning. God is not a man that he should lie, nor the Son of Man should repent. Has he not said it? Will he not do it? Numbers twenty two nineteen. yes, he will do it. Now, you and I don't know how he'll do it. We don't even know when he'll do it. But if he said it, we know he will do it. So don't let the limitations of your BB brain keep you from trusting God. You can't figure him out. Don't limit God by your own limitations. Give heed to his word. Notice fourthly, chapter 3, verse 9 through 22. The training of Moses were regarding God's plan, not Moses' promotion. That's good. Verse 9 through 12, Moses questions the person of God. He wanted to send to Pharaoh. He's the person. (laughs) He says, you want to send who? Moses objected. Who am I? And God said, I certainly will be with you. The objection implies that Moses did not think himself capable of the job. Now that's good. But when God tells you to go, that's bad. There's a time when good becomes evil. Be careful of that. When you know to do good and you do it not, that's sin. Notice also Moses was to bring the people to serve God in the mountain. Now Moses questions the personal belief by the children of Israel who would ask him who had sent him as well as his name in verse 13 through 15. So first he questions God as to the person he wants to send himself. Now he questions God in terms of the belief of the Israeli elders as he goes to them. So Moses was told by God in verse 14, I am that I am. Moses was to say, I am has sent me. Moses was to tell them that he was the God of their fathers, and then he was to give their name. The name by which he was to be known forever. Mark that well, verse 15. Forever. So now thirdly, Moses' questions were silenced by the particular details and results of God's plan. His objections are silenced. Watch this. Verse 16 through 22. He was to go to the elders and tell them God's plan, assuring him that they would believe him. Then all were to go to Pharaoh and tell him that God of the Hebrews' message was to release them. And then verses 19 through 22, the Pharaoh would refuse, and God would stretch out his hand and strike Egypt and come out with the great possessions, the entire nation. So... His questioning at this point is silenced by God declaring the plan and the results. He tells them exactly what's going to happen. Fourthly, the training of Moses was regarding the power of God, not that of Moses. Chapter 4, verse 1 through 26. Notice first, Moses further questioned Israel's belief that God had appeared to him. That they were going to question it. So God told him in verse 1 through 5... That as he cast the staff down, he says, what's in your hand? A staff. Cast it down, he would turn into a serpent. So he gives him a sign now. Verse 6 to 8, God told him to place his hand in his bosom, take it out, white as snow, put it back in, cleansed. So he gives him two signs. And then in verse 9, God told Moses to take the water from the Nile River, and as he poured it on the land, it would become blood. So if they don't believe these two, then do this. They'll believe you. Moses was to never lose sight that the power was not in the vessel, but by and through the vessel. Remember that? The power is not in the vessel. It's by and through the vessel. Never forget that. Paul knew that. He says, but we have this treasure in an earthen vessel that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of ourselves. 2 Corinthians 4, 7. Ooh. Who hides a treasure in a clay pot? god <laughs> he puts himself in us that the glory and the power may be a god and out of ourselves hmm. what do you have that you have not received and if you have received it why in the world are you boasting wow what a question notice secondly moses further questions god's ability to use him he just doesn't get the message. Verse 10 through 17. Moses declared to God that he would not speak very well. He, he didn't speak very well. Perhaps even he stuttered. God. And you know, and I can imagine that's a problem. But isn't it a greater glory to God when he takes somebody who has no abilities and he does something? God rebukes him for limiting the Lord, asking him, Who made the mouth? The mute, the deaf, the seen, the blind? And commanded him to go, for he would be with his mouth and teach him what to say. Verse 10 and 12. Well. Now, notice one thing. This not only teaches God's ability regardless of our limitations, but God takes full responsibility for all that goes on in the world. He's not responsible for the results of sin, but he says, I made the blind. I made the deaf. My responsibility. Don't think you're more compassionate than I am. Whoa. Pretty heavy, huh? So much for quality of life. When you go to a doctor and the doctor says, you know, your your child might have Down syndrome. I, should, I would have it if I was you. Oh, no, no. If that child is there and you haven't uh, lost it in a miscarriage by God's doing, then God wants you to have that baby. You must be really special. And that baby must be really special. Moses reluctantly, in verse 13 through 17, and his reluctance to go, pleased to send another person. And he was met with God's anchor and told him that Aaron, his brother, would be the spokesman. And that he would be as God to Aaron. Moses was a hard headed guy, wasn't he? Did you get the idea that Moses didn't want to go to Egypt? Notice thirdly, verses 18 through 31. Moses prepared to go to Egypt. He asked permission of his father-in-law in verse 18. And he was told by the Lord that all who sought his life once were all dead now. So he went to Egypt with his family. This is comforting, verses 19 through 20. Because I don't want to meet some of the people that I, 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 I was as odds in the world or, or or did wrong. I don't want to see them. <laughs> God comforts. Hey, listen, why, why did God say this? Because he could read Moses' BB brain. He was saying, Oh, well, I wonder if God knows if those guys is not? You know, if God doesn't know. Sometimes you and I worry about things. God says, You dummy, I've taken care of all that. What are you worried about? He was told by God again of Pharaoh's refusal to let him go, and the warning to tell him that he was going to strike the firstborn, verse 21 and 23. He was almost killed by God then. Is this crazy? People go crazy over this verse, verse 24 to 26. He's ready to go, and all of a sudden, God wants to kill him. How come? You see the poor here, grab a stone, whoosh, circumcise her son, throws a foreskin at his feet. A bloody husband thou art to me. Whoa, family problems. Big deliverer, huh? And you're going to deliver the children of Israel? What's going on here? Well, Moses knew about the right of circumcision. Moses knew what he had to do, but he hadn't done it. And yet here he is going to be used of God, and God was going to kill him. Learn this very simple principle. God can replace you real easy. You're expendable. Okay? And he was redeemed by the very blood of the covenant. I would imagine that um, Zipporah didn't want this right, and that's why Moses didn't do it. Men, you're the head of your homes. You obey God. Ladies, if your husband's not a Christian, you obey God. Every way. Saul the Pharisee was trained by the best at the feet of Gamaliel in the finest universities, yet when God arrested Paul, he sent him into the desert of Arabia to train him. Where has God sent you to train? Has he taken you aside for a while after he's saved you? Are you sitting under a pastor? Are you giving time to the word? Are you tuning your ear to God? Are you rolling up your sleeves and girding up your loins and say, send me, Lord? (laughs) That's what it's all about. The training of Moses was one of patience and brokenness different from Egypt. What a contrast. Fourth and last, and it's very short. The sending of Moses back into Egypt. First, chapter 4, verse 27 through 5.3. Moses was sent back to Egypt to command Pharaoh to let God's people go or lose his firstborn. Whoa, heavy. Notice in verse 27 through 31 of chapter 4, he and Aaron met and they went to Egypt to meet the elders and they, to tell them of God's plan and they believe through the signs given to them and they worshiped God. And he and Aaron met with Pharaoh then in verse 1 and 3 of chapter 5 to petition the exodus and to warn him of the judgment to come. But he did not heed. Moses was sent back to Egypt to reveal Jehovah's superior power. His superior power. Now, just listen, because these are the plagues. First of all, through the power encounter of the serpents that swallowed up the serpents of the magicians in chapter 7, verse 8 through 12. Power. Then the plagues. Through the plague of turning the water into blood, the plague of the frogs, the plague of the lice, the plague of the flies, the plague of the livestock, the boils, the hail, the locusts, the darkness, the death of the firstborn, the power of God. And fourth, Moses was sent back to Egypt to execute judgment on what? The gods of Egypt. You find this in chapter 12, verse 12, very clearly. God would judge the gods of Egypt. The firstborn was the succeeding king upon the throne of Egypt, a type of God, so God would destroy him. He's the only God. The plagues were all demonstrations of God's judgment upon the gods of Egypt. Every one of them were worshipped. God judged them. He's the true and living God. The Hebrew nation would be led in the exodus by God with a pillar of cloud by day and a fire by night. Chapter 13 tells you that, verse 17 through 22. Judgment on the gods of Egypt. And then fifth and last, the New Testament commentary of sending Moses back was in view of Pharaoh. Listen to this. Only one verse. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, for this very purpose I have raised you up that I may show my power in you and that my name may be declared in all the earth. Romans 9, 17. Yet God never violated Pharaoh's free will, right? He chose to choose. He hardened his own heart, then God strengthened his heart in that. If you harden your heart, he strengthened your position. It's harder to believe him next time. Be careful. The demoniac Gadara pleaded, Lord, let me go back with you. He says, go back and share with your family and tell them what all the Lord has done and how he had compassion on you. Whoa, back to Egypt. God saves us, he sends us back into the world. The sending of Moses was to reveal God's faithfulness to his people in Egypt. So here you have Moses, the call deliverer, deliver, revealed by these four things. The conceiving of Moses occurred during the time of bondage of the Hebrews in Egypt. The raising up of Moses was one of power and glory in Egypt. And the training of Moses was one of patience and brokenness different from Egypt. And the sending of Moses was to reveal God's faithfulness to his people in Egypt. Man,
0: rich for our lives. Pastor Xavier Reese reminding us that God's plan is perfect. His direction is divine, and the results are always for his glory. Now, today's message, Moses Part 1, is available on CD for only $4. And by the way, this will also include everything Pastor Xavier shared with us the last time we were together as well. Once again, the title to ask for is Moses Part 1, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please be sure and include the call letters of this station somewhere in your correspondence. This information is helpful when we check on the impact of this outreach in your area. How do you know if you're ready for the ministry? Find out when you tune into the next edition of Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com